I know we just sang amen, but shall we say amen? Amen. amen. Can't say, you, it's uh, theologically um, okay to say amen more than once. So there you go, just so you'll know. All right. So we're in a series on prayer, and prayer is uh, something that is uh, really our lifeline to God. We've talked about prayer being uh, like the oxygen that we breathe. Um, our body needs oxygen, and our souls need prayer. And that's worth an amen. Can I get one? Amen. amen. We'll keep, keep us on our toes today. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a life that God calls us to, and prayer is not something for the elite. It's not just something for... Uh, People like me who get paid to pray, uh, it's for everybody. We are all meant to just be a people of prayer. And uh, prayer is mysterious, uh, but it doesn't always have to be complicated. Everybody, you can pray wherever you're at. Uh, you're, whoever you are, wherever you're at in life, God, by the power of his prevenient grace, has enabled you to have the capacity to pray. No matter how far you feel like you've ever run away from God, uh, you're never too far because God, by his grace, enables us to say, God, would you help? God, would you be here? God, would you come to my rescue? It's only by the, the grace of God that you even can pray. And so uh, we have this great tool, and it's been given to offered to us, uh, and it's an invitation. It's an invitation into a relationship. It's an invitation to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus. Uh, it's also an invitation to be used by God. Uh, in our mission statement that uh, Mike was actually just praying about, our very first tagline in our mission statement is moved by Jesus. And a lot of times mission statements are about what uh, the organization does. Uh, it, we're doing this thing. We're doing that thing. Uh, we intentionally said, no, uh, the first part of our mission is not anything we're doing. We're having something being done to us. We are moved by Jesus to love others and serve all that's what we're about and so the only way you can really be moved by jesus is to give him to give him something to work with and uh, to allow christ to move us means we present ourselves before him uh, we ask him to to do something in us and through us and and we surrender ourselves to him and we ask him to move us we have talked about having good uh, practices in our life that are consistent with prayer we've talked about faith how it's absolutely necessary that you believe that God is good and if you don't believe God is good then the degree to which you don't is the degree to which your prayer life will be hindered we've talked about how surrender is absolutely important that if we're unwilling in our prayer life to give over things to God then that is the degree to which our prayer life will mature and grow We've also talked about how humility is a vital part of prayer, that you never get to a place in your prayer life where you say, yeah, I'm better than everybody else at this. Uh, prayer takes us the other way. Uh, the more you pray, the more you realize, wow, I am just a beginner. And so we encourage people, and we're doing so in this series, just to start praying. It may not be the perfect prayer. It may not be advanced placement prayer. It may not be 4.0 honors prayer, but you can still pray. Go pray a C minus prayer, okay? Because in the kingdom of heaven, C's get degrees, amen? Okay, go pray you that C minus prayer, even if it's the first C minus thing you do, okay? All the humility of it. For those of us who love to perform and who love to win, raise your hand if you love to win. I love to win, and I realize how much I love to win when I win and when I lose. Um, but sometimes we just have to humble ourselves 
And uh, that's part of what prayer does. Uh, prayer changes us. God changes us through prayer. And then the, the pr- um, trajectory of this series is that prayer changes us. And we're kind of on that part of prayer changing us. But through prayer, God uses us and God himself changes the world around us. Prayer is not just about me coming so I can have uh, all my spiritual prescriptions filled. But prayer is about God using us to do great things. The greatest movements of the Holy Spirit in the world uh, have come because of prayer. When the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church, uh, they were devoting themselves to prayer. They were making room for God to do something that they themselves could have never expected. When God's people pray, when God's people come together to pray, when God's people give themselves over to Him to pray, God works through them in ways that they would have never imagined, would have never thought. And then one day on their deathbeds, they'll look back and they'll say, wow, I would have never thought that would have happened in my life. So shall we be a people who pray? Shall we be a people who commit ourselves to prayer. Today I want to uh, jump into the very first prayer, at least in order that it was re- uh, recorded in Scripture, uh, the very first prayer in uh, really the, the greatest prayer book ever written, and that's in the book of Psalms. So hear the word of the Lord from Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law they meditate day and night. He says, They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season. Their leaves do not wither, and in all they do they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. May God add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his holy word today. Amen. Today, I want us to focus on uh, really three different contexts. As we think of prayer, uh, when we think of prayer, we probably have these assumptions that we're bringing uh, to what prayer is. And there are three different uh, worlds, if you will, or contexts that I want to put before us as we think about prayer and as we live in uh, our world. Okay, so the first context is what I want to call the context of solitude. Solitude. Solitude for in, in basic A basic definition is solitude is when you are alone with God. This is an absolute necessity in your life. If you're going to have a relationship with God, you have to be alone with him at certain times. Jesus was baptized. He comes up out of the water. The spirit comes down and says, this is my beloved son. I imagine it saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I don't know if that's what God sounds like, but that's what I imagine it sounded like. And then as soon as Jesus was baptized and the approval of the Father is upon him, it says that the Holy Spirit drives him out into the wilderness all by his lonesome with his thoughts and with the temptations of the enemy. Yikes, right? Sometimes when we pray, we get tempted, right? 
Because when we take away all the other stuff in the world, um, the things we're supposed to do or the people around us or the little entertainments that we all uh, have all over the place, and when we get a little bored, temptation can set in. Uh, things that are down there that we haven't been paying attention to start to rise to the top. And um, the stuff that's down in there, uh, we have to deal with. That's hard in my personal experience. And Jesus himself has... Uh, this experience where he goes out and he is alone and he fasts and he prays for 40 days. And in that time, he has to remember those words of that father that I am the beloved son in whom my father is well pleased. Jesus spends time alone. He would often get away to pray. He'd heal people all day, still people in, in the, uh, the waiting line at the the Jesus doctor office and he would get out of there and go pray he would he would get away even leaving people who had needs because prayer was that important his lifeline to his father was that valuable last week we talked about Jacob and Jacob in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 32 Jacob was a, a selfish little deceiving person um, he was a human being right uh, he was a sinner uh, like the rest of us, and Jacob uh, ended up putting all of his family and putting them in front of him between him and his brother Esau, who he thought Esau might be uh, still wanting to kill him after 20 years. Uh, so, you know, instead of being a man, he just kind of hid behind his family, and it said that he sent them all across the river, and then Jacob was alone with God. And while Jacob was alone with God, it says that a man wrestled with him all night long, and that Jacob did not let him go until he was blessed i will not let you go until you bless me that's the one virtue he had was that stubborn persistence of hanging on to god that's hope for you and me right when we find that we're selfish we find that we don't have all our stuff figured out hang on to god till he blesses you he just might transform you if you hang on to him long enough but jacob was alone and so there's a place in your life that has to just be your place. I can't go there with you. Your mom can't go there with you. Your spouse can't go there with you. It's you. It is all on you. Jesus talks about praying to your Father in heaven in secret, in a prayer closet in the secret place. And he says, And your Father in heaven who sees you will reward you. And so that's what we're called to do and be, is to have that place of solitude in our lives. Do you have a place of solitude? Do you have a time of solitude where you go alone with God? This place of solitude is where we have the greatest opportunity to get in touch with our authentic self. Because it's in this place of solitude that that we have the less temptations to pretend like we're someone else to other people. I don't know about you, but when I'm around other people, I tend to play a role. And in playing a role, I tend to think about how other people want me to respond. But when I'm alone, the only person I can fake it in front of is God. And after faking it in front of God for so long, which we do sometimes, uh, you do that long enough, God's going to reveal yourself to yourself. Uh, he's going to reveal, you know what? We're all just naked in front of him. He sees through everything. The scripture says that before him all hearts are open and nothing is hidden. That's a scary thing. It's a good thing our Father is loving and graceful. Amen. 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 
So go before your loving Heavenly Father in those places of solitude. Okay, so that's context number one, solitude. Context number two is community. Okay, community. And I'm talking about specific Christian fellowship. Okay, fellowship and interaction with other believers can be people in your family, can be people in a group you're with, can be a group of uh, a Bible study, uh, a Sunday school class. Uh, a group of people in your neighborhood, a group of people at work, whoever you can find around you to have some interaction with. God made us to be a people in community. He made us to be a people who, who worship Him together and who pray to Him together. That's really what we do when we gather here on Sunday mornings, is that uh, it's really all, uh, in some ways, speaking to and listening to God. We we have music that hopefully focuses us in on who God is and, and we express our heart to Him and we receive from Him. Hopefully when I'm speaking to you, I'm not just saying a few things, but that God is speaking to us. I hope um, when we share in Holy Communion, we're asking God to come into us. We're asking Him to, to be with us. That's what worship is. That's what this gathering is all about. And we're meant to do that, not just in solitude by ourselves, but we're meant to do that in the context of one another. And God has designed that so that uh, as a part of our Christian fellowship and community, that we become more real, that we get in touch with who God really made us to be, that we have people around us that build us up that speak words into our hearts and our lives that, that move us to greater self-understanding, greater God-understanding. And sometimes that allows us to be able to confess our sins and to say, God, I'm sorry, I messed up, I did this, I did that. Sometimes that just is a word of encouragement for us, and it just it builds us up. We were meant for that. The, the community that God created us to have is meant to build us up into the image of Christ that God wants us to have. And so I must say that, you know, sometimes uh, you talk about the real world. Uh, you know, we, we may say, well, out there in the real world. Well, in a lot of ways, the world is very real out there. But I want to remind us that what we do in here is as real as it gets. We're not in here to try to fake anything. We're not in here to try to pretend. When we talk about who God is, we're talking about the most deep, the deepest truths of reality. And I firmly believe that. What that means is this is meant to be the real world. This is meant to be the place where we can be real with God, be real with ourselves, and hopefully be real with one another to the degree that, that God allows that and wants that to happen in the world around us. Okay, this is the authentic place. Your prayer chamber, your place of solitude is also designed to be your authentic place. And so let's take think about these two worlds here, the, the world of solitude and the world of community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book Life Together says this. He says, let the person who cannot be alone beware of community. Let the person who is not in community beware of of being alone. I want to repeat that. Let the person who cannot be alone beware of community. Let the person who is not in community beware 
of being alone. This sense of private worship or solitude, connection with God, and this sense of true community. We need these, these are two worlds in our lives that need one another, and we need both of them. We need both of them. Jesus models this place between being alone in community and his own life. We've already talked about there were times Jesus would get away, he'd go off by himself, wouldn't even take his cell phone with him, and like who knows where he was. It's very dangerous, isn't it? And the disciples would track him down, and finally they would find him. There were also times where Jesus would say, Hey, Peter, James, and John, let's go up on this mountain to pray. Hey, Peter, James, and John, I am grieved unto death. Would you come with me and pray in this garden? He would take kind of his inner circle with him. I believe we all need that inner circle in our lives. And then there were times where Jesus would take just the twelve, and he'd have these followers, and they were kind of this group of, of uh, uh, apostles, and, and he would interact with the twelve. And then there were times where he would have, you know, the twelve, but maybe dozens more uh, along the way who would follow and listen to his teaching. And then finally there were times when Jesus would be in the midst of large crowds, thousands and thousands of people. So you can see all these different contexts from being alone all the way to larger groups of people, even in the public sphere. Who you are, your authentic self, who God made you to be, your true self, can only be discovered in the context of honest and vulnerable prayer, both alone and in community, in fellowship with other followers of Christ. Okay, so that's the second context, is the context of community. The third context, I'm just going to call the world. Okay, and the world is... Uh, really an all-encompassing context from from the good to the bad to the to the to the pretty to the ugly okay all encompassing uh, the world is uh, kind of our public sphere if you will there is a battle going on in your life okay there is a battle going on in your life and that battle is between your interior life and your exterior world. Your interior life is the part of you that is true and real, the part that you find and discover in prayer and in Christian fellowship, the part of you that gets built up when you read Scripture and practice the means of grace and the spiritual disciplines. But there is a world out there that wants to take your focus away from that. And sometimes that's not a bad thing. Okay, Sometimes it's okay to tend to the things of the world. We all have things that we need to do the problem is too often we get focused with so much going on out there that we lose who we are in here we forget who we are we forget what we're made for and when we forget who we are and what we're made for we become conformed to the things of this world the exterior wins the things out there the, it's the peer pressure of the world or all the temptations that are, that are out there. They come and we, if we lose sight of who we are here, we give ourselves over to what's going on out there. Unfortunately, so many people in our world do not have much, if any, of an interior life. Think about some of the things in the exterior world that, that pressures and tempts us. Think about uh, just the things that we have to do, to-do list. Um, the things that we think we have to do, 
our busyness. Maybe we're accomplishing things. Maybe we're working on even good things or righteous things or holy things. Those things in our doing can get in the way of remembering who we are here. What about putting on appearances? We live in a world where how we appear matters in the world. It's a value of the world. And most of us are come, come with some sense of, of wanting to appear in a certain way. And for the most part, that's okay. But that can get in the way. What about control? Anybody like to control? I love to control. I just wish I could control everything sometimes. God reminds me I'm not in control. But there's this illusion sometimes. And sometimes we can get our will spinning and we dwell on things because we either want to control or we think we're in control. What about materialism? The things that we can buy, they give us comfort, they give us status, they make us feel good, they make us feel worthy. Those can sometimes pull us away from who we are. What about getting the approval of others? Just making sure that people like us, people, people like me. I mean, most of us like to be liked. There's a few people out there, they don't want to be liked. But most of us like to be liked, right? Sometimes that can get in the way and we become what I would call a chameleon. And we become whatever the world wants us to be. If the world wants us to be this, in this situation, we'll be this. If the world wants us to be this over here, we'll be this. You look at the life of Jesus. Here's a man who gets away to pray. Here's a man who has his community. And then when he goes into the public world, all kinds of things happen. There's times where he affirms people and heals people. There's times where he takes a stand. He takes a stand over against people who even want to take his life. That is a secure person. That is a person who's in touch with who they really are. If you know who you are to the degree that you're willing to give your life for something, then you're pretty grounded in something. And for Jesus, he was grounded in who his father says he was. In Jesus, he was grounded in being the son of God and living out his mission in proclaiming the kingdom of God and living the kingdom of heaven on earth. The battle of the exterior world never got to Jesus. There is this battle. Are you doing what you need to do to tend to your soul so that the world doesn't rob you of what's most precious in your life? Now, I think that having a, a, a prayer life involves, and the, and the more we can grow in this and, and develop our prayer life, means that we can go from each of these three worlds, the world of solitude to the world of community to, to just the world, each of these three contexts. The more we learn to pray, the more we can go from one world to the next, faster and faster and faster. You can be in the midst of the world, you can be in the midst of people, you can be in the midst of pressure, and you can take a moment and you can pray. And you can say, Lord, help me. Lord, come be with me in this moment. You can be in the midst of, of fellowship with others and you can experience the presence of God. You can be in that place where there's no time to go away and pray where there's no time to go think about it, but you need to make a split decision on the spot, and it's critical. And you say, Lord, show me the way. The more we develop our prayer life, the more that, that 
the world of who we really are in solitude and the world that we really are in fellowship community has its way into the world that we live in. That the world of God's presence in us becomes God's presence in the real world. That's really a, I think that's kind of the main part of what we're called to be as followers of Christ. When the Holy Spirit's poured out upon the people, God says, you go. Go into all the world. I'm giving you all these languages to proclaim the gospel in. Go. Go back to your hometowns. That's the command of Jesus. And it's because they had this here that they could go and be who they were in the midst of a world. It's kind of crazy out there, isn't it? And so just in a few moments, you're going to be sent out into that world. And, and there's things in that world. There's a to-do list out there for you. There's expectations of others for you. Monday morning's coming. Someone's probably going to want you to be in the office tomorrow. I, I suggest you show up unless God tells you otherwise. But those, those demands are there. Who are you right here and right now? Don't ever, ever, ever forget. Let us pray. We're going to have a time just to meditate. Just to meditate and reflect upon. Who we are right now. Lord, would you just show us right now our real selves? Not the self that we want to present to others, not the self that we want the world to think we are, but before you, we're just here. And we just want to get honest with who we are in front of you, and we boldly, boldly grab onto your grace. And we boldly enter into the throne room today. Only because of what you, Jesus, has have done on our behalf can we enter into the presence of God the Father. And so we follow you into that place with humility, confessing our sins, asking for your forgiveness. And would you give us enough of these moments in our life, Lord, that we would find ourselves who you made us to be and that we would bear witness to who you are in the midst of a world that doesn't really know you come and meet us in this authentic place right now